Welcome to the next generation. You're with Wazza and Dan. How you going, buddy? Not bad, mate. Great to be here after a great derby win. Number oh, six in a row, that is. So. Yeah, that's great. And number 27 all up. Uh, tonight's show is brought to you by Psychopop Graphics. So if you give them a call on 0407-449-160 and if you mention the TNG podcast, you'll be entitled to a 10% discount quoted price on logos, artworks, flyers, posters, CD music covers, stickers, etc. Each week we'll be given the opportunity to advertise somebody's company, so contact us on our Facebook pages, um, the Next Generation group page or the podcast page. They're both on Facebook. Uh, just type in the Next Generation and they should come up. And I have a private message myself or Dan. Um, so that's a free plug and it's happening for the next couple of weeks. So um, Dan, as we brought up last week, a couple of podcasts, um, we do the Eagles, and there's a few around. There's the WCE podcast show, which is on a Podbean now. There's Toast the Coast, which is on Sports FM, I think. They do a podcast of that. And Go Footy, we know Ollie and Gaffy. They usually do theirs tonight, but Gaffy's away, so they're doing it again tomorrow. Um, they're also on the radio on RTR, so get us back on that, guys, soon. And Eagles Bat Chat now, that is one of my favourites, man. And on the way up here tonight, I would have been here a lot earlier, but I got lost because I was just in La La Land, listen to it. Boys taking the piss out of each other, and that's quite literally. So um, you want to have a listen to that? Hacksaw, Duggan and Grumpy Nelson are on this week, so that's a good one. Yeah, it's great. It puts a face on these plays, makes them a little bit more human, you know what I mean, hearing from them, um, and just having a laugh in the mateship. I, it, it's very intriguing. I like it. And um, Butler and Schofield as the host, I think, is brilliant. They feed off each other, and it's actually a really good list. I've only just got into it, but I've mm. backtracked and listened to a lot of their podcasts. Butler's always been that funny guy. You can always tell, and anything he's done, he's always that, that funny demeanour about him. And um, Schofield, one of my favourite players, they call a grumpy man. But they say he uh, his white line fever is only about ten percent difference from the ground to his normal life. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> and uh, if you listen this week, he got into a bit of a fissy cuff sort of thing with uh, Taya Bayok. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, what, what, over lunch, one of the yeah young kids. It was great to see, and um, it's complete opposite to Grumpy Nelson, who says he um cops it a lot around her, but he bottles it up. <laughs> he bottles up weights to like get rid of it on the field. So yeah, it's funny. All right, we'll just move on a bit quicker. We got with the Go Footy uh, podcast boys. We've got a joint uh, tipping competition. Uh, Nick Nat Hearn is still in the lead after a dismal return this week. Um, that's myself, so I don't know how I'm on top. It's unbelievable. Uh, the rest of the top five are C Salvati, Almighty, JB, and Robbie D. And congratulations to Drew Darby for taking out the round. Um, yeah, and another thing we have on the Next Generation discussion page is a bit of fun, the number one ticket holder, and that's for people that contribute, and they contribute to the podcast, sending us questions and stuff like that. And this month goes to Cristiano Wall, and he joins an illustrious group, and he'll get a TNG podcast sticker sent out to him. Yeah, the list of number one ticket holders is getting bigger and bigger. Um, but it's just great to see people having an input on that page. And uh, great to talk like-minded people about the Eagles, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's congrats all about- to everyone on that list. And, you know, 
everyone joins in and who knows next month it could be you yeah it could be and i've got the envelopes now so i'll send them out this week so bear with me all right with all that out the way let's get to the footy dan first up we always go over the injuries so we'll go through the list uh young venables he's still nine to ten weeks uh one of your favorites the youngy uh brayshaw boy hamish he's he's coming down for three uh liam ryan well i've heard um for a couple of mates uh it's not as bad as what we first thought so it's around about five weeks so that's a good thing and you've heard something today didn't you uh yeah fingers crossed basically that they were a bit mute on how long but basically he's out the moon boot and i think they were just so surprised at how well he's recovered already so they wouldn't put a time on it but they were heavily hinting that it's not going to be the nine weeks they said once he's progressing well once he progresses he's in you yeah. know once he gets to that stage it's interesting about the moon boot that shuey's always in a moon boot after the game eh? Yeah. Comes back on flights with a moon boot it, on. It, it happens. I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was uh, Pendlebury had the same thing where every game they just put the moon boot on. So, uh, yeah. The magical again, moon boot. It's a magical word, but mute again. You know what I mean? They don't yeah. tell you exactly what the problem no. is, you know? Nathan um, Vardy sent a scare into everyone during the Royals game in, uh, I think it was the first quarter, did his abductor again. Um, he's got down as a test, but. If he plays this week, that's good. If not, you're probably looking at another two to three week injury. Um, it's a bit, uh, a bit harsh on Vardy, but he's almost a forgotten man. He was so important to us last year, and now we got Lysette and Nick Nat performing so well. It's not a big blow being out. But it's good and to have it, him in the back line. That's yeah. exactly. But it's just, it's almost sad thinking of it that way because he was so important, yep. crucial to us last year. Um, Alango, he had his first game and he's sort of like come up with a sore knee, but that could be a test as well. He played in the reserves. Lewis Jetta, unfortunately, done a calf. People were wondering why he wasn't running as much in the derby, but apparently, from what I've heard, he did it during the game, not afterwards or towards the end, so it was quite early on. Um, and today we hear that Sheed's out for three weeks with an angle. Yeah, Sheed's a big blow. Um, and the upsetting thing is, like, our injury list isn't huge, but it's like, with him out... Key you'd, players. You'd, yeah, you'd want a Venables or Brace or one of these young players yeah. to be playing at these perfect good form to come in, because even Partington got himself into good form, but then got injured. Because everyone right. was like, why is he not selected? Why is he not playing for East Perth? It's because he got injured. So it's hard. It's just real bad timing when she got injured, because we've got, you know three other young midfielders or potentially midfielders that can come in that no, are in the injury list as well. So We know who's come in, but we'll talk more on the revolving door um, who could come in later on. Um, and I had Eric McKenzie here, still indefinite. Um, that's not looking good every week. So when it's usually got indefinite, it's like, who knows? It, it's bad. Like if you're in round six and they're still not even got a time frame on it, that's not a good sign. Um, just sad because he was just he got back into almost his best form towards yeah. the end of last year. He really did. I suppose it was not great, but just he's just so, such well, a man, good footy. Man, great, that's so. it. Such a good footy brain, and yeah, like what he did in that Port game almost got us over the line, you know. And that was just being older and having a bit of that footy knowledge, you know. So, so let's get to the derby. That's what everyone's been waiting for. We'll probably talk a bit about this game. Eagles got home in a. Tight contest, 13 11, 89 to 12 9, 81. Um, 
we all know who the best players were because of their medal. Um, Darling got three goals, Kennedy three, Waterman two. We'll talk about Waterman a bit later. Um, McCarthy two, Langdon two, and Ballantyne two for the Dockers. But it was interesting, the reports. Um, no one saw the Shuey incident. So you got 2,000 for Neeing Banfield in the first quarter. I didn't see it, did you? No, I don't think it was caught on the cameras. I think an umpire probably behind the play... Um, I think he dropped the knees into him, so I think they were both on the ground, and he's just... Well, as you would. Why wouldn't you drop in. your knee into a Freo docker? Oh, <laughs> unless you wanted to spend two grand. But Sorry, yeah. um, I'm going to be very vicious about Fremantle from now on. I've got reason to now. And Marso got one and a half thousand for the love tap on Langdon. Yeah, well, I'm actually happy with that. I like a bit of mongrel in our plays, but and that's what it was. For it. But, oh, yeah, because of the reaction. That happens all the time. Oh, it's unbelievable. At, yeah, but that player ripped him off, dragged him, and then threw him to the ground. So the umpires see that. That's a free kick every day. Um, but I'm actually happy with him getting fined because you don't want to see that always in footy. But it's one of those 50-50 things where, not upset he done it, but he had to get a fine for that. You know, it was not big enough for a week, obviously, but he had to get fined. Um, but, yeah, I just – game in general, I mean, what a game. You know, it was a great exhibition match, and – it drew attention even over East, which hardly ever happens, and they rated the game of the round, game of the round um, purely because there was such horrible football, and that ended the season, uh, ended the round. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's bloody good. And um, before we go quickly more into the talk and ports, our points. Jesus Christ, tongue twister there, and it's not um, TNG Eagle of the Year. I end up being Hearn, Redden, and Lysett, Um and Hearn's leading. With seven all over. Um, I think Redden probably feels a bit unlucky not to get that Glendinning medal. Oh, my God. Everyone sees the game differently. Um, but, yeah, he was just... That's the best game I've seen him play for the Eagles. He... 34 disposals. He kicked one goal one. Well, he got the coaches' votes, so... Yeah, well, that's it. And um, I think I mentioned last week I wanted a player to go head-to-head with Neil. And that's exactly what happened. And I'm surprised some people actually thought Neil was more damaging. He had one more disposal but he didn't impact the scoreboard. And it's not good because he missed it, but Redden actually had another shot that went out of bounds, not on the full, but bounced out. So this player pushed forward and attacked the goals when Neil didn't do that. So I valued Redden as the better player on the day. And um, as I've already just said, like by far the best game I've seen him play for the Eagles. And congratulations to uh, Jake Waterman, who was named the rising star for round six. He got 14 disposals, two goals, five marks, four tackles, and 93% efficiency with three inside 50s. But the surprising thing was, at halftime, I'm sitting there going, Jake's done nothing, and he had four touches. But his second half probably put... It was the reason probably why we got up. It's funny you've said that because we haven't talked about this off mic um, before, but I actually was thinking the exact same thing. Um, the first quarter, I was like, oh, he looks a bit tired. And with these young players, they're going to jump out the blocks. They're going to have an immediate impact. But the rigors of AFL footy, they'll get tired and through the season, might have the rest. But then, as you said, like, he almost shut me up. <laughs> he kicked two goals and he imposed himself on the game after that. And when you're thinking, all oh, this play is tired, but then performs better later in the game, it, it's almost like he reacted completely opposite to what I was actually thinking originally. Um, yep. Great game. And because he won that, I thought, oh, when, who, who was the last one to get a rising star for him, Russ? And it was uh, Tom Barras, or Boris, as I uh, caught him on the Eagles back chat. Um, 
He got it in round 23, 2016. Before him was Dom Sheed. Yep. So it was round 15, 2015. So that's pretty good company there. But it was a long drought before then. And we went four years without one in between. And Gaff, Darling and Shuey in 2011 were the last ones before that. And Shuey got runner-up to Hebel, so... Yeah, I remember being quite spewing about Shuey actually coming second because I thought, you know... The you know stigma of if he played over east he'll be more recognised. You hear that a lot with these players, um, but then Domi Sheed came third behind uh, Hogan won it for Melbourne that year. Then Cripps came second from yeah. Carlton. Then it was Sheed. Um, but see the the problem Eagles had, and it was mainly last year. And we didn't play the youngsters, so. We, but that's the thing we couldn't. I remember yeah. Partington was the only really good yeah. youngster, and people were screaming but, out that he didn't get a rising star. I don't know if he did enough last year. He might still be eligible, but it's one of those things where it's like, they talk about when Duggan came in, the sub rule was around and he was... The first four games in the sub? Used a lot of... So a third of his games were as a sub. Yeah, I didn't know. You're only eligible for 10 games. So after 10 games, you're not eligible anymore. Even if you qualify for the... If it goes over into the next year. Um, I found that interesting. What I have found interesting, and I'm going to digress. Sorry, Will Schofield, for nicking your <laughs> word. But I've looked on social media, and everyone's always whinging, oh, we're not getting Rising Star awards and all that. But if you go back from inception in 93, we're the fourth highest in teams for getting Rising Stars. We've had 36 players since the start, and only Melbourne, they had 40. Essendon 39 and Brisbane with 37. So we're producing enough young players in over, overall, I reckon. Well, I didn't know that stat, and it's pretty good. And when you've got a team like Melbourne and Brisbane in that list, they always go well because they've been down the bottom of the ladder for so long. They've got these young players and these young picks, and they're forced to play them because yeah. they've got no choice but to play these young players. Um, and another thing with the Eagles, too, is a few of our players just aren't eligible. Rioli can't win it, he's too old. Liam Ryan's too old. And I say that, they're only 21 and then Rioli's 22. But see, they're not eligible. Then you've got Venables that was injured. I touched on last year as well, all our well, decimated. Injuries weren't just to our senior players like Natanui and Lysette. They were also very much to our youth. Um, so Venables is the one you're hoping for. We've got young Petrocelli, Petrol playing. And you don't know if Ainsworth or a player that can come in and get one. But... Realistically, one or two is pretty good considering a lot of our players can't win it. And if these younger players aren't getting the game, it's because the senior players are performing, which you want. So I'll talk about Ainsworth more in the revolving door. Um, we'll quickly talk about the the worst PR thing to happen in football in a long time, a Glendening medal. Everyone's got their own um, sort of like take on it. I'm going to have a bit of a rant in a second. Um, the Glendening Medal, you know, Shannon Hearn, Lockie Neal, they awarded the medal six votes apiece. First time opposing players shared the gong since 2013, 13, when Mundy and Barlow were joint winners. The only difference was there was two medals given out that day. They had two medals. Now, is that a to soften the blow in case Bunger was given it by himself and they boo? Um, 
I honestly think they learnt from their mistake. Did they have two medals when Mundy and Barlow won it? Because maybe they thought it could be a draw, have two just in case. Um, but before we actually move on from the game, um, I just wanted to touch on our centre clearances. I yeah, just we think won. We, we didn't just win. We dominated. Um, and I think someone said during the commentary that Freer are ranked this year third in the comp. And I've, I've said on the show before that that's their strength and I rate them as one of the best midfields. I had Geelong above them, but to be honest, I think Freo's better right now because Freo, uh, Geelong's mids are not really gelling quite yet. But the centre, just the centre clearances alone, uh, Freo was eight, we were 17. So in centre clearance, we dominated them. Around the ground, 22 to 27, so we won it again. And overall, our clearance was 31 to 44 against such a great midfield. Um, and that, to me, that was the highlight. Um, we already touched on Redden, but it's just we're getting such an even contribution from our team. And you watch, we won't poll well in the Brownlow. We won't poll well on the coaches' votes. And it's not because we're not playing well. It's because we're just so evenly spread. We're not, that's it. We're yep. not relying on one player. Yep. So that every week, someone else will get the different votes. And we won the hit-outs as well, 52 to 35. So we won nearly every indicator the KPIs, yep. except the tackles, which is what I've always gone on about. I still think yep. we're a bit lackadaisical in our tackles, but at the end of the day, we won the game. Yep. So With tackles, I always look at it. If it's close and you lose, but you've got more of the disposals and you win that stat, that you will lose the tackles because you've got more of the yeah. ball. So if it's really low, they've got more disposals. That's a horrible sign. But I'm not too worried about tackles. We lost that, but we had more of the ball. So well, let's talk we'll about the taps with Scott Lysett. Now, he played one of his best games ever as well. Um, people always talking Nat Nui up, and it was Nat Nui against Sandy Lands, but it was it was Lysett against Sandy Lands. He, just, he stole the show, mate. Um, 32 hitouts. He was more mobile. Did some great tackles. The one on Valentine was awesome. Um yeah, just unbelievable. He hunted down Fife. Fife was even looking at him going, geez. Yeah, he, he ran him down, got a hold in the ball against him. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I remember looking at the stats and he had 18 disposed, but 10 of them were contested. So he's a contested beast. And I honestly think he played on Sandlands more than Nick Nat just because on form and the coaches could see how well he was actually doing. And I just... I always rated Lyset, but I'll tell you, I'm surprised this year by what he's performing. I I knew he would be good, but he's just playing such good footy right now. Um, And I've even got sound effects to prove the point of how good he's actually playing. Um, That was a message on our phones. <laughs> we want to leave it in there. It adds a bit more of a personal touch. I like it. But yeah, I just, as I said, just so surprised by the year he's actually pulled out. Um, I always a, knew he had it in him, but mate. That's one one of our avid listeners. I won't say his name. He's saying you're, you know, on uh, social media being a bit soft. Well, guess what? I've got a big grant coming up in a second, so <laughs> you can take that back in a second. Yeah, um, yeah no, nah, it's good to see Scott Lysett do that. I'm going to have my rant now. I usually save it for the end of the show. Yep. But because it's Dockers related and Eagles... I'll um, get into it, mate. I'm just going to go into it. Now, as a Western Australian, I love Frio. Well, I don't love them. I like them as a team because they're West Australian. But I've lost respect for a lot of their supporters, honestly. All I hear is Frio fans talking about Eagles, honestly. And and, and if they say it, they don't. It's, it's bullshit. And this week... I saw this petition get made up asking Margetts and Daglish to stop umpiring the derby because Freo people have this myth that Margetts' wife 
worked for the Eagles and because she was pictured with an Eagles beanie. Well, guess what? It was taken at the bloody grand final and she was there because WA and I think her husband, because he was an umpire, I don't even know if he officiated in it, I don't know. Um, I didn't go that into it, but why... Why would you regard somebody wearing a WA beanie over a Sydney Swans if you're a WA person and they don't actually follow a team? It's it's a myth, guys. Get over it. Uh, somebody brought up that Daglish's stepdad was an Eagles player. So friggin' what if he was? At the end of the day, these two umpires are professionals. They do their craft. And if they were biased to one team or favouring or cheating from what I've heard they'd be found out straight away from the umpires, coaches the AFL and whoever else. So free A fans get over it, worry about your own team, forget about big brother up the road and just get over it, you know, I've had enough of it It's, it's I know it's banter it's good, but sometimes it's a joke and for somebody to write a petition about that they just don't know. They don't sit down and they don't dissect the game. Margets gave more free kicks to Frio because I marked them down because I knew this was going to come up because one of my mates always goes on about it. Um, they're bad for both teams and that's just umpiring. You can't win. So that's my little rant over. I've had enough of it. Yeah, well, I don't even know what it's about. 20 free kicks to 22. Uh, yeah, it's very, different. Very rarely do you see the free kick count that close. Um, and... The thing is, we had more of the ball, so it's more likely we're going to get more free kicks, you know, for late tackles, high bumps, because we've got the ball. You don't often get free kicks without having the ball. There was obvious ones missed, and that's both teams, right? Now, if you're going to go into a game and just worry about the umpires, you're not watching football, you're not enjoying it. So go to the game and watch the game, because they're not going to get it all right all the time. Like there was one there that McCarthy should have got a 50. Fair enough. He didn't get it, but they oh, ended up getting I did, the I, didn't, I, I didn't understand that. Um, because but that was one that was they, they didn't give that, and it was so blatant. It was something had to happen because McGovern turned around and tackled him. I wonder yeah. if one of the other players said play on. I wonder if yeah, McGovern well, felt it, it and it was touched yeah. on the tips because it wasn't a free kick and it wasn't play on because he handballed after. So it had to be one or the other. It had to be either play on or a 50 metre. Um, so there was obviously that was a mistake by the actual umpires, and I think two of them called different things. Yeah, well, they could Because be. McGovern's not going to tackle someone after a mark. And we don't know that because we're not on the ground. So that's why you watch the game. They're going to get some. They're not going to get some. And it well, went both ways. Yeah, well, so. that's it. You get, as exactly what you said, you get some you don't like. The Ballantyne thing. Would Frio be going like, on about the umpiring if they won by eight points? No, they wouldn't. Well, of course not. I don't, of course they wouldn't. And I don't actually really like talking about Frio because I had a soft spot for Frio being another WA side coming in. Purely the supporters turned me off it a little bit. Well, they, I'm off them now. Um, but, yeah, I just think that umpiring thing was just... I don't even know where it came from. Like, to complain about the umpiring when the umpiring ledger was so close is just and, ridiculous. And to the Eagles guy that went to burn the jumper, you're a dickhead, mate. Simple as as. Um, we don't condone that shit. And if you're on our Eagles pages, we'll find out and we'll kick you off. Uh, let's get to the revolving door, mate. Um, East Perth, that's where the stats are matters. Uh, East Perth won... 21-8-134 to Peel 10-8-68. And that's a big turnaround from five weeks ago when Peel beat East Perth by 100 points. Well... That's a massive turnaround. Yeah, and you actually like this, was I think it's purely because they've got Schofield. And not just because he's such a good player. 
Was, He's a general that, in the background. That, that, that's exactly in right. The they they needed a good full yeah. back. And that's exactly what they're missing. Schofield wasn't playing and Eric McKenzie's been out. Um, so they didn't have these great backmen, which they would have had, say, last year. They bring in a good backman that can run, and as you said, your word, general, down back. And I just think it makes such a huge difference. And you can tell. that's what's, Their back line is just so much more solid. And um, it's good to see Matty Allen kick five goals. He's been injury prone. Uh, we'll talk about him in a bit in a second. Um, but he kicked five goals. Uh, the old favourite of mine, Spud McGinnity. He was uh, four goals. I wish he was still on the Eagles list because I love the mongrel in him. Good solid player. I actually was a big fan of him too. He always a fringe player, but was, you need fringe players. I think he's one of the favourites. And um, I, I think Nelson's taking his place. Because he, you know, even though they play different positions, they got that same mongrel about them. Yeah, I think Hutchins as well. I think they just more a defensive player about them too. Um, I, I watched the game because it was on beforehand, and I thought Hutchins did great. But he does that week in, week out, so he wasn't over great, if that's a word. It wasn't flash, but he did his job. See, the thing with East Perth, I find too, when a player is dropped from the Eagles and goes to East Perth. They don't need to play, say, the role that they did. So last year when Maston was out of form, he went to the waffle. He dominated because it's like, go in the midfield. The same with Wellingham. All right, let's just put you in the midfield. And you see the same with Hutchins. When you've got these older senior players that are like, go play for East Perth, it's almost like they're off the leash and they always perform well. That's what you see with Hutchins. Like, it dominates over 30 disposals. You know, they usually pop up and kick a goal, usually two from the midfields. And you mentioned Marseille briefly there, but... Like, listen to Schofield this week on the podcast. He brought up that, you know, people on social media having a go at Marston about this and that and crap and how they deal with it. And, you know, he's showing that, you know, he, it doesn't affect him because he's going out there and he's doing his job. And to hear that when somebody comes up to you and says, oh, mate, can I have a photo with you? Yeah, I wouldn't have come and asked you a couple of years ago because you weren't playing that crap. And then Marcel turned around and goes, yeah, I'll have a photo with your, your child, but I'm not having one with you, mate. Yeah. And I love that response. That's great. Yeah, because you, you see in social media the hate, but to actually walk up to him and say, oh, I wouldn't want a picture with you. Like, I wouldn't have asked last year because you were playing shit. Like... You know, yeah, I just that's arrogance of people, and you know. He, he's one of like, I haven't hit it, he's one of my favorite players, and um, yeah, it's great to see him in form, but you know, he, he's not a star, he's an endurance runner, and that's what he is. He's solid and, and plays his role. And like, I think it was Butsy, he said, People don't know the roles that some players play, and they briefly talked about Rowan Jones, another whipping boy, that the role, and we brought it up on podcasts before. Know your role, perform your role. It's it's right? funny because I say, like, I've got a sneaky suspicion now a podcast is coming quite popular because <laughs> a lot of times we'll say something and it's on another, you know, another podcast or another show and you're like, oh, we've already talked about that. But that's yeah. footy as well. But Where I remember, I remember you, I think it was you that actually brought Rowan Jones was in the exact same situation yep. and they've said the same thing. Like, yep, so that's good to see. Um, maybe one of you boys want to come on our podcast. Um, <laughs> I've already messaged you. Um, that's if you listen to this. Um, let's move on to uh, we have a little uh, segment called What's Your View? Um, we put two players up, and this was at the start of last week. Will Gaffy stay or will he go? With all the young guns signing in 2020, will there be enough money left in the bank? Now, we did this with Gaffy and we did it with Gov. With Gaffy, you're surprised. 
Uh, 71% to 29%. So 71% said he would stay. That's out of 240 votes. And with Gov, it was 84% to 16%. Over 305 votes, but we've heard today a development that he wants six years. Eagles have given him assurance of five million over five years. Yep. Now, that's just got to be the manager pushing for that extra year. That's his own, and it, it only just now got leaked the actual situation. Mm. So the ta- Eagles have tabled five mil for five years. Um, uh, an unnamed Victorian side, ru- rumour is it's Collingwood, have offered six years for seven mil. But it's, it's always it's, Collingwood. Yeah, but it's not the money. He just it's wants that extra year. Um, he wants, you know, insurance. Um, I think I didn't realise he was gone for six. So I thought five mil, five years, That that's great. Um, Why go for any more? Like, like you said, his age, I think he's 28. Um Five years' time, he's 32. I, I think he will settle a five. I just think it might be the, uh, just trying to get a little bit more out of him. Uh, um, I can't see why any team would give a person over five years. All right. Now, Especially on the uh, Franklin deals, the Tom Boyds, the Scullies and all that. It's very hit and miss with those big deals. Um, I want him to stay, so there's a part of me saying, just give him what he wants, you know? He, he, he's going to take a slight pay cut to stay here. Um, but you look at it, and let's break it down. Worst case scenario, he's a restricted free agent. So if he decides to go to any club, we can then match that offer and make him, or not make him stay. He can still elect to say, yeah. let's get trade. But match offer and then he stays. If we let him go, we get a compensation pick. Now, the formula they use for the compensation is hugely dependent on the money he's going to get paid. So I remember years ago, Frawley left Melbourne to go to Hawthorne. They got pick three for that compensation because, as I said, the formula is about how much they're going to pay. So if we don't match that and the AFL don't screw us, we could very likely end up with top three pick. Um, and we've got to look at the – it's mentioned like the Judd scenario. You've got to look more long-term. In the yep. short term, we were dark on that. Long-term, we got Maston and we got Josh Kennedy for that. So long-term, it was so much better. So with his situation, I don't think it matters either way what happens. Well, if it comes down to it, if he goes, he goes. I don't give a shit as long as Gaffy doesn't go because Gaffy's more important. I, I agree with that 100%. Me going full circle at the start of the year. Um, let's move on. Get a little bit of a chopping block here. We might do this every second or third week. It's basically on the revolving door. The under 18s championships are coming up. They've just released the squads for that. Um, there's a couple of uh, next generation members, their sons are in it. So that's going to be interesting to follow that. Tash Power, I think it is, her son's in it, Jack Allen. So it's going to be interesting to get behind him, guys. So if you go on to our Facebook page, the discussion page, not the podcast page, have a look at that post and just follow that because it'd be good to get behind the young kid. Good WA talent. There is a lot of good talent in there. There's some guys from the Perth, yeah. uh, Sydney Stack. He's pretty good. Um, we've got first dibs on... Cameron. Cameron. Yep. Um, so he could get bidded for. I, so I, I, I let's hope there's no bids for him. Yeah, I honestly think that's why we'll gun ho with that, get rid yeah. of that first pick because he's in our academy or our zone, sorry. Um, so we knew we'd get him, so we're like, well, we don't need the first pick. And Fremantle already basically said they'll be going for one of the players. 
and he'll be a top 10 draft pick, so he'll definitely get bitted on. So there's a few players to have a look around. Um, but so in saying that, at the end of the year, we have to chop some players. And I've just written down, um, I put Gaff and McGovern aside because, you know, there. Uh, McKenzie, he could probably get delisted if he doesn't get over his injury. But you look at players that are in the firing line. Now, one of my favourites, Schofield, he's in the firing line. Now, it's either a retire or a trade I put down. I don't think he'll get a trade because of his age. And I think they'll keep him on in a probably off-field scenario somewhere because he is valuable to the club. I've written down these guys. Carpenny, McGuinness, Matty Allen, and Josh Rotham. This is a do-or-die year for him. Make or break because I can't see any of those four being on the list next year. McGuinness is probably the hard one, but I think out of all of them, he'll get picked up because players are looking for a tall man that can play forward or in the ruck. Yeah, the, the I, ruck's I, the main thing with him, I think. And those guys are in the fire line. There's there's no denying it. And I know people are not going to like me saying this, but Partington is tradable. And, and so is Mutama. At, at, at the end of the day, every play is tradable. Um, I'll go through it from the beginning. Schofield, one of your favourites, his insurance to me, especially with the way Gov situation may happen yep. if he stays, we need that extra tool. So I think he might stay on for insurance. He I do, He's not going to be in our best 22 every year. Uh, I worry about Eric McKenzie. He may be done through injury, which is horrible, but... Worst case scenario, that's what will happen. So I actually agree with your the delisting list. This is so bad doing this beginning of the year. But if they don't perform, they're gone. Well, the so, recruiters will know now who they're looking at and who they're looking at dropping off unless they have a big turnaround in the year. Yeah, I, and those guys' names will be on the list. Yeah, I think we're not going to have like a nine-player turnover like this year. I reckon four or five. And the thing with this year's draft is they talk about how good it is, but that that comments more reflects on the depth yeah. of the draft. Yeah. You will get with your third, fourth round picks, you'll still get a very good talent because the talent pool is so large. So when they say it's not a good draft, they're not talking about the elite players in the first round. They're talking about how deep the talent goes in it, which is huge. So if we drop five players, I think that's all we need. So, Well, they I have think, to make decisions on a couple of those guys because yeah. McGuinness is a rookie. Well, I, I agree with all of them. I think McGuinness, Carpenny, Maddie, and Josh are gone, and Sally E. Mac might be done. And who knows about Lacroix? He's Taya playing Bayok. such good. Taya Bayok's another guy. He's a rookie. He, he's doing okay. Though. You only he's can be on better. the list, rookie list for two years. If you're an, a, a WA, okay. yep. you're two years. If you're an interstate, you get three years, right? Yep. Now, so... That's just the same with every club, so you get that extra year. Now, they're going to have to make room in that, and a lot of people get dropped off and then redrafted. Yeah, that happens a lot. So. Um, but to be honest with you, Carpenny, McGuinness, Matty, Rotham, and I don't think we can trade Munoz. It sounds horrible. He's got potential, but I don't think anyone would trade. So you've got five right there, and that's not including any retirement save if EMAC doesn't go. So then that could be six. That's culling quite deep. And it's not going to affect the squad at all. No. Um, Partington, I'm, he's a South Australian, so he could go home. But I like him. And he was getting in such good form before the injury hit. He was on the cusp of actually coming into the side. So that one's a brutal one because he'll get more midfield time. When he played last year, they played him in the half forward, forward, but as a defensive kind of player. So that was a bit 
hard on him. Um, so I, I want to keep him. So, yeah, I reckon that list five, maybe six players, and then we, we really test the depth of this draft. All right, we're going to get into the next game, which is this round, the Eagles and Port. So the teams have only just been released as we're doing this, so um, I'm having a quick look at them now, so bear with me. Uh, Rockliffe's not playing for them, nor is Wingard, but Ryder's in. Um, Broadbent, he didn't get named as well, so that's looking good for the Eagles. Um, as we've said before, uh, Cheddar's out and Sheed's out, and in his... Uh, who come in? Hutchie and who come in for the Eagles? Nelson. As Nelson, well. that's right. So it's good to see uh, Grumpy Nelson back in. Um, we've had a good history between these guys, and if we remember back to the last time we played, and we won after the game, the yeah. Shuey goal. Was brilliant. Such a great rivalry! It's like a modern day rivalry. These teams. Um, a funny fact: I don't think either team has won at home for like four or five years. Yeah, it's weird because so the Eagles last time they played at Subi, yeah. they beat us in the and, last quarter. And I think the last time before that they played at Subi, I think they could have won as well. And then most games are played over in Adelaide Oval. I think we're six wins out of seven games there have the best win record out of any team, including Adelaide and Port. So it's just a real funny stat that we're not neither team's winning at home. So They've got Sam Powell Pepper down as an emergency, so... He could be one of the guys that comes in. Oh, they've got Rockcliffe as an emergency as well. Yep. So I guess we'll find out tomorrow. I can't see them being um, coming into the team unless there's a really late injury. So um, either way. Yeah, Rockcliffe and Sam Power Pepper haven't actually been in great form this year. So I'm not too phased if they do come in. Um, the rider one to me is a big blow for the Eagles. He's such a good player, but I can't wait to see Lysette and that Nui go against him. I think they're going to take him to town because he had a great year last year. But I find that our two Ruckman are the two of the best in the comp, and that's a big call. But I honestly, believe that. And then Sanderlands as well. I don't like him, but he's a he always wins tap outs apart from the Derby, and he was out for a lot of the season. So the the pool of Ruckman last year wasn't as great. So I can't wait to see him go head-to-head with Ryder. Well, the emergencies for us are Schofield, so he could come in. I hope he does, um, just from my point of view. I've always harped on about him, and he'll get one game, I hope. Ainsworth, McGuinness, and Archie. I thought Archie might be a chance, but he probably didn't show enough last week in East Perth. Um, Ainsworth, look, everyone wants to see Ainsworth play, and he can play this kid. But I've got a problem with his vision. I watched the Waffle game. There was a few times where, and I've seen it earlier on in the preseason, he gets tunnel vision. And he doesn't look sideways. And there was a couple of times in the forward line where he's kicked goals, missed him, turned around and gone, yeah, sorry, mate, sorry, I didn't see you. But you did see him. Yeah, it's a funny one because these young players, people are, oh, give him an AFL game. But they're still developing. Oh, they're yeah. still getting games at East Perth. They're getting better and better, you know. So... I think they're taking a real... I think the beginning of our season has curtailed our view a little bit in selections. They've got Nelson, they've got Hutchings because they've got more game experience. I think even Nelson is almost 50 games. Maybe not quite, but he's he's played quite a bit. Hutchings obviously a lot more senior player. So they've gone back to the reliable players. They haven't blooded any new people because I think they're thinking... We're, we're in winner winner. Is it an important game? So it's very important because last week we talked about we got Frio, we got Port, we got GWS, we got Tigers. 
And I said, we've got to win two of those, out of those four, and then we'll be in a great position. We've I already got we the one four. win. Oh, mate, I hope we win every game. Giants but realistically, probably... if we win two of those four, and we've already beaten Dockers, so that's one. So if we can knock off GWS, Port, or Tigers, we'll be in a very good position. Oh, well, it sets up a year. Um, there's a little stat. If you're in round eight, and you're in the eight, you've got an 80% chance of staying there. In round 10, you've got a 95% chance of staying there. So if we win four of them, you're going to set yourself up for a, a finals year anyway. Just jumping past Port, I know I'm digressing. <laughs> um, Giants is probably the only game I can't see us winning. But if the players that are out this week and the Giants are out next week, we've got a good chance, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense because I was about to comment that too. That apparently, and I haven't seen this, but they have got four or five of their key players out and they don't have the depth that they once had because yep. the players over time have, have left because they need game time. So the depth isn't as large as it was, say, two years ago. So these injuries hurt them a lot more than they used used to. Because even last year they, you know, had a few injuries and and now close games. Um, but yeah, I think if we beat them away, that would be the best scalp. Um, and to be honest, and this is very arrogant because the rain premiers. I'm not worried about Tigers here. No, am I? I think we've won two out of the last three games against them. The MCG game, people remember last year, we were very unlike. It was our, obviously we lost. It was our own fault. Mm. But we lost, missed a lot of goals. Like, yeah. we were in a very winnable position in that game. But when we had momentum early, we didn't capitalise. And they ran over us. So I don't see them as a huge threat. So if we can knock them over, I'd be happy with that too. Yeah, me too. Um, let's get back to Port Adelaide. Um, I think if we go... Close to keeping Robbie Gray quiet will go a good way for us to winning. He seems to be a lot damaging. Um, yeah, Ollie Wines is another good player. Um, you know, they've got some match winners, so have we. Um, I don't think they play good on a round of ground, which is what our ground is compared to Adelaide Oval. So, look, Dixon hasn't score, scored much on the scoreboard. He's been playing a bit in the ruck with uh, Westhoff. So that takes a bit of their goal scoring away. Uh, you got Watts in there that turns it on every second or third week. Motlop every second or third week. Are they named? I can't even see. Yeah, I think they are. But Dixon's the big one for me. He he's such a bad kick on goal, but yet he is such a great player. Uh, his work around the ground, his contested marking, his ability, and he he reminds me of like a JK slightly where he can rove the ball even though he's a large player off the ground and snap goals and that. But if he just could get his set shots right and mm. kick these goals, he would be an elite, not just a great forward, he would be an elite forward. But he's got to get that under control, Dixon, because he missed, um, was it 3-6 or something ridiculous? Yeah, I haven't really followed he played. I haven't much. got the stats, but yeah, he he sprays a lot. And I'm looking at the that's name. That's his only fault. I'm looking at the name team now. Motlop, Dixon, Westhoff, Gray, Watts and Boak. Now, that's a bloody good forward line on paper. If they can gel, we're going to have a hard time. Well, that's it. Um, but then you look at our but forward line. you look at line. ours. Cripps, Darling, Riola, Craig, Kennedy and Lysette. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's one of those things, who's going to perform on the day, you know. Yeah. And um, last time we played, we had to chase our own towers and just convert better and that's what we've always done against them we've just took our chances and converted and we that's what's won us the game um but hopefully 
and again, I touch on the ruck. I'm becoming a broken record, but hopefully that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And we we're not chasing Port; they're chasing us. Yeah. All right, we're gonna cut this now because we're gonna have to get to Dan's bake. So the winner and margin of this game, mate. Um, Eagles. I tip Eagles every week, and I think thirteen points. Unlucky 13 number, points. but I got a good feeling about it. All right. Well, you know, I don't really want to say this. Oh, going port, I'm not going to go port. So. Oh, teasing. I like <laughs> One day I will tip against the Eagles because I tip with my head, not my heart. But I'm putting Eagles at 17 points. Yep. Hopefully more. So, But seeing I had my little rant on my bake earlier on, it's yep. all to you, Dan. Okay, mine's going to be short. I'm a big fan of Michael Walters. He doesn't play for the Eagles, but I think he's so talented and I love him in the midfield. I'm baking Fremantle's Dockers coach uh dockers doctors <laughs> sorry that was a bit of a tongue twister but um why would you risk such a good play he hurt his knee and they sent him back out there they dodged a bullet they could have done a lot of damage by sending him out as soon as he went up there he looked 10 times worse and why would you risk such a good play if he's so good and you think he could win that game why would you risk him being <laughs> Oh, Nelson beautifully read by Shepard. 